Don't throw that garbage away. Did you know you can recycle it into the Inspired Incompetence podcast? How's everybody doing? Mm, garbage. No, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so here we are in the uh, Gallo Gardens in the city of Adarac, uh slowly but consistently approaching Gallo Spire. Uh, you are looking for a place to settle down, and you found this dilapidated tower, but have figured out that there's probably uh, a very strange ambush predator in there called a fursifer. So you are uh, <clears throat> you're pretty sure it's here underneath this uh, unsuspicious rubble inside this tower, and uh, yeah, take it from there. Uh, fuck, I'm trying to remember what. Uh... I know we had buffed up. <laughs> yeah, we had two rounds. Because then Cause we were we just like, gonna like walk in and like spring it. Yeah, Tia Bluth had used an arcane eye to like scope it out and figured out that it it looks like the top part of that tower is still there, but in reality, it's not. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I know I, I got tur- an idea. I turned on my legacy weapon, and I think I enhanced. Mine, uh, yours, and Randolph, and then you did the armor for you and Randolph. That's right. I was thinking about uh, what, like dimension dooring us in there, but I think we decided instead yeah. to like just kind of walk in and and spring it. Mm-hmm. Because it's expecting us to just walk in all casually into it. Right. So yeah, who's gonna walk in first? I mean, I think we all know who does all the dangerous uh, bomb defusal stuff. Yep, Phileas, go on and <laughs> I give him a nod. Well, I mean, in theory, you could probably would all be walking in like together. Right. Yeah, like, he's oh, what a first. long day of traveling. Good thing we found this super safe tower we can let our guards down in. So I uh, stay by the door and sort of shoo Thalias in. He looks back hoists up his shovel and trudges in. Well, we, no, no, no. We're, I think we're all going in, yeah. like The idea is we don't want it to know that we know it's here. Ah, uh, okay. So here's here's what we're going to do. Um, you know, a- a- assuming that this Fursifer is indeed in here, and assuming it is indeed uh, hiding in that uh, pile of rubble, which, if that was the case, would not actually be there. It'd be an illusion. Uh, it is also very aware of you, and it is in, it is uh, intending to attack you. So we're going to do a like a mini surprise round, and I will I'll have one of you take a surprise round to do an offensive action. Or, you know, if you just, like, start buffing like crazy, it's probably going to know that something's up. But That's why we buffed before we came in. Yep, yep. (laughs) So, yeah, I'll let one of you do something offensively in a surprise round, and then we will start combat normally. Before we do that, what is my echolocation telling me about that unsuspicious rubble? Oh, right, you have echolocation. Uh, It's a dragon. (laughs) No, uh, yeah, you are... Yeah, I'll just uh, I'll just go ahead and uh, lift the curtain. Actually, uh, that kind of looks like a dragon. It does kind of. Uh, I think it's supposed to be more like a, a fucked up iguana. It's a yeah, it's an enormous like chameleon looking thing. Is that not Twist. what a dragon is? <laughs> no, it's a, a 
Kinda though. Yeah. yeah I mean, they're. Iguana, I, I, I guess it. they're both lizards. If you really want to squint. Got Chernobyl uh, iguana. But yeah, Tia Blith, you uh, you direct your echolocation sight to that pile of rubble, and uh, behold, that it is not there. And instead, you see twisting vines and vibrant flowers growing from the back of this titanic, multicolored reptile. Uh, you all smell a sickly sweet scent filling the swirling air around it. All right, so, so who's lighting this candle? Tiblet uh, looks at our genus and points at the pile of rubble and says, Burn it! Hi, <laughs> uh, hi, <aye>, Captain. <laughs> and uh, our genus casts Fireball. All right, reflex save. Uh, don't worry, it's reflex save isn't enormous or anything. Uh, that's a 35. Okay. Yeah, that, no, pass. that, that, that passes. <laughs> okay. <Passed it> twice. <laughs> Wait, what? <clears throat> passes twice. He said, he, he said it had an enormous dex uh, reflex save. So. No, I said it doesn't have an enormous reflex. Weren't you listening? Yeah, I must have just been imagining all that sarcasm. All right, so, well. yeah, let's get damage. I, did you guys learn about a vulnerability at Scott? I don't think Go so. Go on. <laughs> is it staggered after it makes a reflex save no damn all right well go ahead roll damage it's 10 d6 right yeah yep uh that's 31 so cut in half 15 all right and uh i'm assuming that you can yeah just pelt the wall with it and it won't reach anybody yep all right uh you hear a like a, like a weird clicking, growling sound uh, as the fireball goes off. Everybody roll initiative. Utrid. 15. Tiablith. 24. Randolph. 20. Arginus. 6. Okay, so the way its illusion works, uh, it is basically hiding in its own illusion. Um... And it's effectively invisible until it makes an offensive action. But I want everybody to give me a will save with a plus four bonus. See if you can disbelieve the illusion and you can actually see it. Historically, I'm not very good at these saves. Which one was it? Will. Will? Your will save should be like outrageous. Yeah, actually, will save's pretty good. 36, let's go. Wow. 22 for Teolith. 37 for Uchu. God damn. 29 for... Our genus. Okay. All right. So you have all disbelieved this illusion. Oh, let me do Elksy. Uh oh. <laughs> Elksy's like, why are you all shooting at those rocks? Uh, yeah, with uh, with bonuses, uh, Elksy disbelieves. Right, plus six ain't too shabby to add on to a saving throw. Yeah. Um, all right. Yeah. So first up is Teoblith. Okay, and is he considered flat-footed here? Yes. Okay, then I'm just going to... Yeah, I will full attack. Uh, yeah, rapid shot and deadly aimed. Oh, all right. That's a 33 to hit. 33 hits. Uh, before you do damage, let me just roll for its displacement. Oh, wait a minute. I'm thinking you bypass displacement since it's an illusion-based thing. You have echolocation. Since I'm echolocating? Yes. So you know exactly where it is. So, yeah, can proceed. Ooh. 
Okay, so the many shot deals 54 points of damage. Wow. Second shot is a 32 to hit. 32 hits. That is 24 damage. Next shot is a 28 to hit. 28 hits. So that is 27 damage. And the hasted attack is a 26 to hit. 26 does not hit. Okay. Just a cool 105 damage, no big deal, from Teal Blith. Uh, okay, up next is Randolph. Uh, okay. Me and Thelias are gonna... Um, actually, yeah, I'll send Thelias in with a five-foot step, and then me being weary of getting eaten whole, which Thelias has to worry about, but not to the same degree as me, I'm gonna cast uh, Spiritual Ally. Okay. Uh, let's see. So, do I have room to put the ally so that it's flanking with Thelias? Or doesn't it flank? I can't remember. It can flank, but Thelias is in a position where an ally would have to be in this diagonal square. So I'll put it um, to the just to the right on the bottom square so that he can five foot step flank next turn. All right. Um, out of curiosity, is your spiritual ally still Elksy? Huh. Uh... What do you mean? I mean, your spiritual ally before before we introduced Elksy to the like reintroduced Elksy to the campaign, you dedicated your spiritual ally as being Elksy because it was like this weird memory echo from Thelias. Yeah. Now this one is a shovel, isn't it? Isn't it just a That spiritual weapon. An ally spiritual ally is like a whole fucking person. And it was definitely Elksy before huh <laughs> i know i've cast this spell before what the heck was it it was elksy yeah, yeah it used to be yeah. elksy so he's asking are you still manifesting it as elksy or is and, that gonna no, be a little weird randolph now? this is yeah. randolph casting it. it was always randolph it casting was always it. yeah it wasn't that the light shit now that i think about it i could think we had double elksy's at one point i think randolph has cast it manifesting elksy since elksy sure? returned I now think you're kind of blowing my mind. I, I think it sure. happened during the fight where um, the Crimson Herald died. We haven't had a single combat where Elksy wasn't present, so that's true. Before. All right, so another uh, Elksy appears. Yeah, <laughs> I guess crazy. Um, okay, everyone attacks. I'll do the um, I'll do the Phantom Elksy last. All right, slam power does a 34 hit you know it does okay that'll be a 10 damage and five fire and slammeroo number two is a 27 27 hits ah most excellent 14 damage three fire and then i can never remember how to do this uh i thought i had a note here uh it's right here in the description it's your level plus your wisdom modifier is the attack roll a huge roll maybe 27 27 hits and, and damage is 1d10 plus one point per three levels so it's 1d10 plus four all right well that was underwhelming because of my rolling but seven all right i mean considering you just did all that damage and your actual character didn't do anything yeah that no that takes yeah that takes this thing out of that uh d10 roll thank you nick <laughs> Okay, up next is Elksy. Elksy's gonna charge. 
Dude, it would suck so hard having to fight two elks at once. Like one elk <laughs> at a time. It's like, this is the worst day of my life. <laughs> Alright, that'll be a 30 to hit. And Alright, that's 13 damage. And up next is Uhtred. Alright, um, I'm going to do a swift action and add flaming and flaming burst onto my scimitar. Those do not stack. You know that. Well, wait, doesn't one work on a crit and one works? Flaming burst gives you the flaming property all the time that then adds more on a crit. So you'd be oh, better off doing like... just gave late. you the crit part of it. No, it gives you both. So it acts as flaming, except... <laughs> except you add another d10 on a crit. All right, then I'll do flaming burst and frost. All right. And then, unfortunately, I have to take a move action. Uh, I guess that is enough for him to charge, huh? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Then I'll charge. Okay. All right. It's a crit threat on a 37 to hit. Yeah, that threatens. It's a 48 to confirm. That confirms. It's a 48. All right. <laughs> uh, All right. Let's see what the damage is on frigid touch. Well, let's see here. The first, the crits. The slashing crit is called nerve slice. Double damage, and the target can only take one move or standard action next round. And the magic one is called Arcane Blast. Double damage and 2d6 random energy damage with a reflex save for half on the random energy damage. I think I'm leaning. You said the other one was the slashing was double damage, and it gets either a standard or move action. Yeah, basically, yeah, basically double damage and staggered for a round. Um, and real quick, your melee touch attack, this is for the frigid touch, is 4d6 points of cold damage and causes the target to be staggered for one round. If the attack <laughs> is a critical hit, the target is staggered for one minute. So I guess I'm going with the magic crit. Fair enough. All right, so let's see. We got the four core elements randomly. All right, so we'll go alphabetically. You said there's three. Four of them. That's electricity? Yes. Acid, cold, electricity, yep. Well, it's weird that F is the last in the alphabetical order there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so this thing needs to make a DC 48 reflex save to have this electricity damage. Yeah, no problem. All right. I got to roll a whole bunch of D6s. I'm not actually yeah. sure how many. You said uh, Frigid Touch was 4D6 normally? Yeah, was this normal damage? Double, so it's 8d6. Okay, so 8d6. Okay, so the frigid touch did 31 damage. Fucking hold on a second. Yeah, it's gonna be a lot here. Well, I was fucking on top of his displacement against Tiablith, and then I promptly completely forgot about it. Um, so I'm going to very quickly... Uh, go through all the hits so far, and we'll see which one's actually stuck. So, we had one for... We had two for Thalias. Uh, one through 50 is a hit. 36. 39. Okay. And w- one for Spiritual Ally. 28. One for Elixie. 53. So, Elixie missed. And I don't think I'm missing anybody, so... I'll we'll do Uhtred. 18. So, that crit's gonna hit. Wow. There's a lot of low rolls. Yeah, yeah seriously. <laughs> He's saving up for when he needs the high rolls, and he'll bust those out, too. <laughs> I mean, I think I arguably needed the high rolls this time. Yeah. But 
Okay. So we have 31 cold damage from the frigid touch. Is this thing chaotic? Yes. And that is not doubled on a crit? That's just a flat 2d6? Yeah, and and another 2d6 from the bane that I put on your weapon. Yeah, I'm going to do the 2d6 for the chaotic. It's 10. Another 2dx, or 2d6 for the bane. That's another 3. Then the scimitar damage was 24, but don't I have to roll another on a... On double damage, right? Don't we roll nope. another? No, that's good. Just add the two. Yep. And then now you got to do the elemental damage, which was another 1d6 of cold and a d6 and a d10 of fire. Pathfinder. <laughs> Pathfinder. So that's another five damage from the cold and another five damage from the fire. Wow. Not that it ended up mattering in all of that, but this thing does have vulnerability to cold damage. Oh my god. Oh wow. Yeah. Uh, that being said, you guys absolutely annihilated this thing. That I was like we would. that was like seventy-eight damage on that one attack from Utrid before factoring <laughs> in the cold vulnerability, which probably added <clears throat> added another like fifteen or twenty damage. Yeah. <laughs> this thing is a fucking tank, too. I had 171 hit points. <laughs> wow. Um, but yeah, uh, I mean, two rounds of of buffs will, uh, will definitely make be. a big difference. Uh, funnily enough, the one thing that didn't do anything was uh, our genus's fireball, because this thing's got evasion. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Incredible. Way to go, our genus. <laughs> it had a lot of amazing defensive abilities. Uh, has all-around vision, displacement, evasion, uncanny dodge. Mm-hmm. Oh, so the flanking doesn't matter. Yeah, and it's got blind sense. So it knew Uhtred was there, even if it couldn't pinpoint his specific location. But you guys hate fun, so he's gone now. I had so <laughs> much fun. Yeah, that was a lot of fun, actually. <laughs> All right, well, uh, what do you guys do now? Uh, we're gonna take this place's little home and spend the night. Yeah. <laughs> does does that illusion just dissipate immediately? I think it probably sits for a minute because it's it's actually based off of uh like this magical pollen that it's been dispersing. But I think once it's dead, uh, as soon as like the the most recently dispersed pollen uh settles yeah everything goes back to normal okay and you know the tower it's it's there are certainly worse spots that you could uh camp out in you're, sweet you're ex- exposed from above if it starts pouring but right now it's not yeah i'm okay with that for now yeah uh before we head to bed Tiablith is going to make a a magic circle against evil making a binding circle and put it basically like right inside the the entrance to this place oh, okay and then Tiablith will start setting up camp as needed all right so i assume we're doing watches yep yeah uh, should will do the last one second yep. watch Tiablith will do first and third as is customary all right oh give me uh perception checks first watch 
Milwaukee. 24 and a 15 from Arginus. Okay. Although Arginus is probably mulling over the day's events. A little distracted. Uh, yeah, over the, um, uh, yeah, over the entire flashback. Oh, yeah, the, uh, the Gustari vision. Yeah, uh, well, fortunately, uh, nothing terrible seems to happen during your watch. Good. And Teobleth bites his lip at one point, which is gonna be a, a real annoyance for the rest of the trip, but besides <laughs> that. <laughs> Cure <light> wounds. <laughs> it's actually, uh, charisma damage. I don't have much charisma to give up. If you want charisma, you go to Arginus. Yeah. The most charismatic maniac I've Real. ever met. <laughs> Arginus the Silver Tongue, I think he's known as. <laughs> he used to be. All right. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, Arginus and Teoblis Watch is over. All uh, right. Randolph, you're up. Yeah. Ha, yep. I'm up. All right. Randolph, give, make me, my roll. give me that perception. Oh, well, I'm going to give it to you. I'll give it to you big time. Hey. Ah, jeez. <laughs> Seven. But Thalias also perceives, luckily. Here comes an eight. Fifteen. Seven plus eight. But he did roll yeah. a fifteen. And uh, Elksy joins you for this watch. Gets a twenty-seven perception. <laughs> Show off. It's a funny uh, way to pronounce lifesaver. <laughs> 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 and second watch goes by without any problems. I will say through, right. uh, through the uh, two watches, you definitely like notice our genus is like kicking, uh, like a little bit, just like twitching more than he would. More than usual. It's yeah. Like, you're looking twitchier than usual. Arginus. <laughs> <laughs> it's like when you like you're watching a dog dream about chasing a car or something. Yeah. I don't say anything. I, I don't want him to be self conscious. And I wake up uh, next in line. Utrid and uh, Teoblith. And how does Teoblith do two watches? Teoblith has a ring of sustenance, so he only he doesn't need to eat anything ever, and he only needs two hours of sleep a night. That's so cool. It's like you wake me up. Oh, thanks. Yeah, I'm up. <laughs> Go to bed. It's like, all right, Teoblith, get back in there. Let's <laughs> so have another round of perceptions. Utrid got a 23. Okay. And Tibleth got a 38 more awake this time. Okay. Um, your watch goes by with no problems. Uh, but before we get to the next day, we got a little uh, little scene, a little cutscene. We're in a small dining room, perhaps large enough for a dozen people at most. The furnishings and other decorations are pleasant, if simple. A cherry wood table with matching chairs white plaster walls and black iron sconces with flickering candles spaced around the room for comfortable illumination. At the head of the wooden table is a young man with short red hair, dressed in formal attire. He gains our attention only when he jerks suddenly in his seat, as if waking from a trance. He looks around the room anxiously, and it's unclear if he knows where he is. He looks down at his spot at the table and notices his clothes. His confusion seems to grow as he runs a finger along the frilly jabot below his collar and down to the many buttons running down his shirt. He looks back up toward the far end of the room, then twists around in his wooden chair, looking behind him. As his confusion mounts into panic, we see it too. From corner to corner of each wall sits handsome decorations, paintings, plaques, a taxidermied fox or other small game. What each wall lacks, though, is a way out. 
The man begins breathing heavily as he looks again and again, but his imprisonment in this small dining room is quite apparent. Help! He shouts up at the ceiling. Where am I? A small fizzling sound brings his attention back to the surface of the cherrywood table, and he now stares at a large porcelain bowl directly in front of him, as if served by an unseen host. As he stares at the bowl and the thick, creamy substance within, we get a sharp fragrance of salty and sweet seafood chowder. A single silver soup spoon lays on the table next to it. The delicious aroma forces the man to gulp back a watery mouthful. Still too shaken from his situation, though, the man returns to cautiously looking around for a sign of escape. Eat! The man jumps in his chair at the large, reverberating voice. Hello? Please, what's going on? Eat! The man returns his attention to the large bowl of chowder. He cautiously takes the spoon in hand and presses it into the bowl, letting the creamy broth flow between chunks of vegetables and fish and pool onto the spoon. The smell of rich, delicious chowder seems to magnify for us as he brings his spoon closer to his face before taking one final cautionary sniff. With one last look of confusion, he brings the spoon to his lips and slurps the broth into his mouth. Delicious. In spite of his utter perplexity and caution, a single short moan of indulgence escapes his lips. Still, he throws a curious eye up, vaguely, at the room in general, as if expecting something new to happen but the dining room is unchanged, except perhaps for the aroma of seafood chowder, which has only grown stronger. Eat! With no discernible dangers or risks to himself, the man finally abandons his caution. He plunges the spoon back into the bowl, collecting more broth, now accompanied by creamy chunks of fish, carrots, and celery. He takes another bite, reveling in the savory textures and rich flavors. We watch for several minutes as he feasts on the chowder. Finally, the spoon is abandoned with a clatter in the large bowl, now less than halfway full. The man sits back, the buttons on his shirt beginning to bulge, and small splatters of broth dotting his frilly jabot. Eat! The man lazily shakes his head. I can't. I'm very full, thank you. The candles in the iron sconces flicker for a moment, and the man looks around nervously again. When he returns his attention to the bowl before him, though, his face drops. The bowl has vanished. In its place now sit several serving trays, lined with toasted slices of bread, topped with a soft white cheese spread and a thinly sliced red meat. The accompanying aroma is very different from that of the chowder, but equally mouth-watering, especially with the new spicy smell of prosciutto. The man takes a second to appreciate the new pleasures teasing his senses, perhaps even just subconsciously, but looks around vaguely again. Please, I'm not hungry. I just want to go home. Eat. The man opens his mouth to plead further, but then lets out a cry of pain. He looks down and sees blood dripping down his pant leg. He draws the fabric back with a trembling hand, and we can see a shallow but very clean gouge of flesh has been torn out of his ankle, a gouge in the unmistakable shape of a bite mark. Even as he watches, paralyzed with panic, another bite mark appears, ripping more flesh from his calf, as if some invisible animal were now feasting on him. Eat. The man straightens up in his chair, gasping through sobs of fear and pain. He grabs an appetizer and takes a quick bite before he can receive another reprimand of flesh. Through his panic, he can't help but pause for a moment as the rich flavors dance in his mouth. Indeed, just as before the fragrance of the cheese and meat are magnified for us, the man is still visibly distressed, but his job is now clear. Eat or be eaten.
He finishes the appetizer in his hand, allowing himself to enjoy the delicious food before grabbing another toasted slice. We watch again as he gorges himself, this time with a deliberate pacing on the finger food for several minutes. The minutes stretch on, and a quarter of an hour passes before the man sits back again, having made a commendable dent in the rows of bread, cheese, and meat, his buttons now straining against a gradually distending belly, and buttery smears now soil his frilly jabot. The candles flicker again, and a new delicious aroma comes spilling into the room as we behold several platters of carved fowl, including drumsticks, and accompanied by roasted potatoes, orange slices, and a thick amber-colored glaze. EAT! With a whimper, the man reaches for a slice of duck, ignoring the silver fork that also appeared, and takes a bite. The tender meat sends an explosion of sweet, greasy flavor through the air, and the man's uncontrollable moan of indulgence clashes with his pale skin and watery eyes as the pleasure of flavor cows the pain of excess. He can't keep going, though. After only a few bites, he stops, a potato slice in hand, inches from his slack jaw, a painful burp rises up out of his stomach, and he drops the potato on the floor. Please, please, I, I can't. He screams in agony, and his sleeve is instantly soaked through with blood beneath his left shoulder. As he howls with pain, he blindly grabs a scrap of duck and stuffs it into his mouth. He begins chewing, but another sharp burp sends the meat tumbling out of his mouth before he twists around and vomits onto the floor. The man sits in silence for a moment, panting sweating, bleeding, sobbing. His back arcs in pain and he grimaces with a yell as another unseen bite is removed from his flesh beneath his clothes. He grabs more food with trembling hands and resumes eating. The scene begins to stretch and contract as our clarity seems to match his own, his slow descent into oblivion like a surreal filter over his meal. After the duck is vanilla ice cream with a dark chocolate topping. The subtle yet scrumptious smells mix with the sour odor of vomit and bile. Soon the bitter smell of blood becomes an ever-present side dish to whatever new delicious aromas appear. After the ice cream is leg of lamb, spiced with garlic, basil, and lime. The smoky, spicy smell is unlike anything we've seen before, and the man openly weeps as he takes his first bite. With a snap, a button flies off of his shirt, clattering onto the far side of the table. Another burp, and the man turns and vomits again, sloshing the floor with thick chunks of previous courses. The room begins to weave and spin in a dizzying show of fatigue as we continue to watch this man kill himself with excess. Every surrender, every rest, is met with more flesh carved from his body. It's unclear how much time has passed. The floor now looks like the scene of a massacre, with a slurry of food and bile on the floor from uncounted episodes of vomiting has mixed with the man's blood, freely pooling at his feet. The next course appears, but it's impossible to tell what it is through the haze. It doesn't even matter anymore, and the man sluggishly grabs a handful of whatever it is and shuffles it into his mouth, where half of it comes tumbling back out, joining the mess covering his jabot. Finally, the man stops moving. He simply slumps forward and stares at the table, smeared with courses past. A fresh bite gouges out a chunk of his neck below his ear, but he doesn't react. The flow of blood pooling on the floor quickens as his inactivity invites more and more punishment. Our perspective changes and we're looking at him face to face, and even as we watch, his cheek receives a new bite, though it's unclear if he's even still aware of his continued mutilation. 
Our perspective changes again, and we seem to phase right into the man before quickly phasing back out, and we behold a totally different scene. Cold stone walls and sharp angles of a sinister, dungeon-like room appear before us. The same man is still visible, but his formal attire is replaced by plain clothing. No bite wounds can be seen on him, no overfilled stomach stretches his shirt, and indeed no evidence of the torturous feast he endured in his mind can be seen. None except for the lost, expressionless look on his face, which might suggest a comatose state if not for the incessant screams of terror flying from his slack jaw. A woman walks into view, quite tall, with an icy blue tint to her pale skin. She looks at the red-haired man for a moment, as he blankly screams into the echoey room. Then, with a single quick movement of her arm, the man's throat is slit open. The scream is replaced for a moment by a low gurgling, and then silence, save for the sloshing of blood onto the stone floor. She turns to look directly at us and smiles. It's a proud, hungry smile, as cold as her shaded skin. You're getting quite good at this, Arginus. Are you ready for your next victim? And Arginus, you wake up, as does everybody. Uh, what? Uh. Somebody's got some splaining to do. <laughs> I assume that was just Arginus's dream, or did we all share that dream? Well, better that not our, have. That was Arginus's dream. Okay. Yeah, keep that to that fucking maniac over there. <laughs> all right, so what do you guys do? Uh, just uh, prepare for the next day, I guess. Yeah, as we're getting ready to head out, I'll uh, go over and break that, that magic circle. And I'll tell you what I don't do is ask our genius if he had a good night's sleep. <laughs> <laughs> so before we head out for the day, um, Tealith is going to try to use his uh, purge corruption. He'll do one on our genus and one on Elksy, uh, just so I can keep a couple of points in that school for the day as needed, but I'll, I'll give it a shot to start off with, see if I can get those diseases out. Yes. So, first is our genus. That's a 21. So I'd want to get rid of the plague before the miasma. Oh, 21, you got it exactly. Yeah, alright, get that cool. plague out of here. And now, uh, yeah, give Elxia a, a shot here. Give her a booster. All right. Ooh, that's a 29. Get whatever the fuck's affecting her out of there. Yeah, I honestly don't remember what it was, but it's definitely gone with the 29. <laughs> okay. And then, like I said, I'll, I'll give that miasma a shot later, but I want to save some points in my conjuration school for now. And yeah, cast a ablative barrier, and we're on our way. Okay. Uh, before you get officially on your way, I'd like everybody to give me perception checks. Uh, Teolith got a 41. Our genius got a 23. Very good. Uhtred? Uhtred got a 28. All right. Okay. Everybody except Thalias and Randolph spots creature standing outside of the tower you would all see a very familiar looking ghoul is this the hungry earth ghoul guy it looks yeah. like the same ghoul everybody didn't, give me initiative didn't we kill you once already uh, Randolph kill him with his own scythe 
<laughs> oh yeah, that's whose scythe I have right now. Mm-hmm. I wonder if maybe, maybe that's why he didn't die. Die. Maybe he's like tied to the scythe. The scythe lives, and so do I. Well, kind of like the armor was supposed to regenerate. What's her name? I mean, right. we disintegrated yeah, that. But I'm not disintegrating this. I'll fight him <laughs> all day. Tealoth. Sixteen. Randolph. Twenty. Uhtred. Twenty-one. Arginus. Sixteen. All right. Up first is Uhtred, and this is a surprise round. Uh. Okay, I'm gonna cast fly on myself because this guy loved to just throw gross shit on the ground. Yep. Um, anybody who wants to can give me a knowledge religion check to uh, kind of ruminate on how the fuck the school is still up. Yeah. Twenty-six. Thirty-two. Fourteen. All right, uh, Uhtred, you have heard of, uh, in very rare cases, ghouls who have uh, been around for a very long time and grow powerful enough become all but unkillable. Uh, you know that such ghouls, uh, when completely submerged in dirt, uh, regain one hit point every ten minutes. And if they are ever reduced to zero hit points, they aren't destroyed. Instead, they reform at the next midnight with a number of hit points equal to their hit die. Uh, Such a ghoul can only be properly destroyed with fire or doused with holy water, or uh, if they take damage from positive energy after being brought to zero hit points. And positive energy isn't something like a heal spell, right? Yeah, it's a cure spell. Cure spell, channel energy... So Who would have thought when we killed them, we should heal them to really kill them? <laughs> yeah, it's definitely not something that uh, would have seemed like an obvious thing to do. But yeah, so Uhtred is up first, and you cast Fly on yourself? Yep. Can you take a five-foot step in the surprise round? Yes. I'll take a five-foot float up, like uh, above the gr- five feet above the ground. Okay. You're not going to get me with another Hungry Earth, that's for sure. Uh, Randolph is not part of the surprise round. Uh, yeah, Uchi's got the right idea, so I'm going to use a mental focus to use mind over gravity and float up a little bit. Okay. Up next is Arginus. I'm going to activate my boots and take a five-foot step. All right. They're learning. All right. Uh, it is now the ghoul's turn, and it's going to cast a spell. I'll roll to see what that is. All right. Same. Uchi got a 36. And Teoloth got a 34. Ooh. We push our glasses up the bridge of our nose at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> it is casting a spell called Flame Strike. Oh, oh. that's like a... Makes like a tower of fire, right? Yep. Uh, that's a shame. So, yep. That's going to be Thalias, Elksy, Randolph, and Teoloth all need to give me reflex saves. It would have been our genus too, but good on you, Tom, for taking that uh, five-foot step diagonally up. Yep. Oh, gets me further away. Mm. All right. Uh, 29 reflex for Teoblith. Uh, 14, 16. Oh, Elksy got a natural one. All right. The flame strike is going to deal 48 points of damage. And uh, Teoblith can take half of that. And the ghoul is going to five-foot step underground. It's now Elksy's turn. Oh, she doesn't know what the fuck to do. So she's going to take a move action and leave the tower. Because it's fucking hot in there now. 
<laughs> and that begins the combat proper. Utrid. Okay. Um, I think, let's see. I got 60 feet of movement. Utrid's going to cast greater invisibility on himself and then move out 60 feet. How does he move 60 feet? He's got oh, a he's fly flying. Speed. Right. Oh, okay. Okay. And, uh, Oh, I'll use a uh, swift action to key in Valo. All right, Randolph. Yeah, yeah. Um, pretty far away, and also he's underground. Yes. I'm gonna cast invisibility. Okay. And I'll send Elias out. Can I move with invisibility? I mean, during the same turn. It's not yeah. a full round, right? It's just standard action. Yeah. All right, so I'll move up 20 feet, and Elias will move up 30 feet. And what happened to Thalias' health bar? Uh, you and Thalias took points of damage. 48 damage, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Alright, yeah, instead of invisibility, I'll cast fly. Alright, so I'm visible but flying. As high as I can be. Because I'm going to heal myself next turn. It's fucking ridiculous. <laughs> Teobleth. Alright. Uh, this tower has no ceiling, Correct. Correct. How tall is it? 40 feet. Okay. Then Teoblith is going to fly uh, up 30 feet and to fly and then flies north to get against that uh, northern wall. And he is going to use his uh, undead bane uh, weapon ability. Legacy weapon. That's the one. Our genus. I'm just going to cast fireball. Where? He's underground. Oh. oh, he's under... Right. Um, you know <laughs> what? I'm going to cast haste. Yeah, I'm going to cast haste. And then I'm going to fly up uh, 60 feet. Well, right now, haste is either getting just you, Thalias, and Elksy, or you and Randolph. Oh. Because we're all really spread out now. Oh, if I go in the center over here... Because Randolph is more than 30 feet away from Thalias. All targets need to be within 30 feet of each other. Yep. Oh. All right. Well, then in that case, uh, it's going to be. Wait, if he goes there, you can get Uhtred in it. I mean, yes. He he could cast it on Uhtred. Yeah. Like, if Arginus went there, he could. Or from where he is, he could do it on Thalias, Elksy, and Uhtred. But. If I cast it right here, it'll be good to get Uhtred too. No, no, you would have, have to move thirty feet of Uhtred. Okay, You'd have to move to I'm this gonna, point. I'm then gonna, um, fly up and diagonally thirty feet. So that should cover my, uh, uh that five foot, like diagonal stepping. Um, where, where are you moving? To uh, essentially right above, um, to be like straight above Thalias. Yeah. Okay. And then cast haste. All right. Or if I have to, a little bit lower, like 20 feet above the ground. Well, considering you can't ascend until after you get past the door of the tower. So, I mean, you can be, like, directly above Thalias, but not, like, 20 feet above Thalias. Okay. Uh, Then I'll go right above Thalias at that point, then. All right. And it is Elksy's turn. Uh, Elksy is going to delay. And back to Uhtred. OK. 
Okay. Um, everyone should be hasted with that. Well, the four of you are. Yeah, the four. Yeah. Problem is, I <laughs> Uhtred has no idea where this fucking ghoul is. I think Uhtred might delay as well. I guess, all right, I guess Uhtred, can you ready a charge? You can ready a uh, half charge. What's the difference? Half the Three quarters charge. Movement. Final offer. What is it? It's up to your full, up to your full movement instead of double. Oh, okay. Uchid will ready a half charge. So if he pops up out of the ground, he'll uh, fly over and take a valor swing on him. Randolph. Yeah, I'm pretty hurt, so uh, I'm gonna toss myself a cure serious. Okay. Jeez, uh, <laughs> it's so much more serious than that. That helps though. It's a twenty. And, uh, I feel bad leaving Thalias out, but I don't really have anything for him at this very moment. Um, what is Teoblith doing? Right now, Teoblith is just kind of against that northern wall and 30 feet up. Okay. Basically, he just got off the ground and out of sight for where that, where he last saw that ghoul. Um, I'll just stay put. Actually, I'll come, I'm gonna fly over to where the party is. At least try and like centralize a little bit, and jeez, uh, I guess that's it. Um, Thalias will prepare an action. He'll attack if something comes up within his melee range. That's it for me, I guess. Can I get through this door, or am I still stuck sort of inside? You have forty feet of up? movement while flying. All right, Teal Bluff. Okay, Tealbeth is going to hit himself with a Cure Serious Wounds as well. Okay. Heals himself for 27, which brings him back to full. And he is going to fly up to the top of the Broken Tower and float maybe like five feet above the top of the tower uh, with a, you know, a vantage both where it disappeared and into the tower itself. So I guess I'm 50 feet up in the air now and just looking out over the edge of the tower. Okay. Okay, Arginus. Uh, Arginus is going to go up and diagonal 30 feet. Okay. Where are you going diagonally? I'm going out over here, so it's up and out uh, 30 feet right. heading south. Okay. All right. The ghoul is going to surface, uh, which will activate Uhtred's held action. All right. It's a 33 to hit with a... That's a crit threat. Mm-hmm. That threatens. Okay. It's a natural 20 on the confirm for a 48. <laughs> I'll confirm. Now, there's no magic option on this one. Right, so the slashing crit is a lip cut. Uh, double damage and one bleed. Um, and the target gains 20% spell failure chance for verbal spells until healed. You bitch. No bleed, though. No bleed. Um, I can't remember. Was he chaotic? He is chaotic. Okay, so it's going to be 21 slashing damage plus another 8. 29 slashing damage and 20% failure on verbal spells. Yeah, wow, okay. Um, good crit. Yeah, I'll take it. 
Yep, which that's unfortunate for him because he was about to cast a spell. Uh, so first she's going to concentrate to cast defensively. Can you roll a spellcraft, or do you have to wait until it successfully is cast? To... Uh, I think at once he concentrates, you could okay. roll spellcraft. Just tell me when. I will. Uh, he gets it exactly. Go ahead and roll spellcraft. That's a 37 for Teoblith. Uh, 23 for Uhtred. All right, you both know he is about to cast uh, Control Winds. Oh, you son of a bitch. <laughs> you alter the force in the area surrounding you. You can make the wind blow in a certain direction or manner, increase its strength or decrease its strength. The new wind direction and strength persist until the spell ends or until you choose to alter your handiwork, which requires concentration. You can create an eye of calm air up to 80 feet in diameter at the center of the area if you so desire, and you may choose to limit the area to any cylindrical area less than your full limit. Uh, and then there's just all sorts of different like directions and, and patterns that you can do with the wind. Actually, let me look at what the weather looks like today, because it's actually uh, relevant. I take it no verbal component to that spell? I'm about to roll that, you know. <laughs> um, also, for the record, um, right now with Uhtred and Teal with spellcraft checks, Uhtred can identify anything of 7th level or lower automatically as it's being cast, and Teoblith can do 8th level and lower. Well, okay then. I'll just, uh, I'll let you know. Okay. There's no precipitation today, but there is a strong wind. All right, so that's actually a minus two on ranged attacks, minus two on sound-based perception checks, minus two on fly checks, and any unprotected flames are automatically extinguished. Uh, this guy's about to cast control winds. Let's just get that 20% out of the way. So one through 20, uh, it fails. Whew, 25. Oh, yep. So let's see if he can increase it by up to four levels. Oh, wow. Uh, so he can increase the wind to tornado speeds. Jesus. That doesn't seem fair, but okay. And he's going to create a downdraft. Uh, it blows from the center of the effect outward in equal strength in all directions. Here's what we're looking at with tornado strength winds. A creature of... Oh, you might have uh, you might have overdone a little bit. Um, creature of huge or smaller size needs to make a a fly check to move at all. Uh, if you fail, then you are checked and you like just stay where you are. Uh, a large or smaller creature uh, is blown away unless it makes a DC 25 fly check gets blown back 2d6 times 10 feet and it takes 2d6 points of non-lethal damage so for the for being checked it's a dc 20 fly check if you're airborne or it's a dc 10 strength check if you're on the ground for being blown away it's a dc 25 fly check if you're airborne or it's a dc 15 strength check if you're on the ground all right uh yeah and that's his turn and, and where does the center of it it's right on him and how far out did it extend in each direction? Uh, insanely far. Uh, the area is 40 feet per level. Okay, uh, now it's Elxie's turn. Elxie needs to make a strength check. Natural 20. 
because Elksy is a fucking champion. Elksy's going charge. That's my elk. Uh, that'll definitely hit. Power attack. Almost max. 25 damage. And Uhtred. Give me a strength check. Fly check? Fly check. 20. Okay. Unfortunately, you need a 25. Uh, so you are blown back 90 feet. Holy shit. Wow, well, that's world. annoying as fuck. Yeah, and uh, you're going to take 2d6 non-lethal. Take 8 non-lethal. Now, the good news is I think you can still yeah, I cover can that. Yeah, move back. Yeah. Charge. I think, I th- I, well, I don't have... I, I could charge, could I? Couldn't I? Yeah. You could, but you're also hasted, so yeah. You can just go 90 feet. Yeah, I'm going to... I think I can charge into that square behind him so it's flaky you can't i can't when you charge you have to move to the closest gotcha possible square that you can attack from yeah so that means i mean you three you could i mean based on the angle you could end your movement here if you really wanted to you just couldn't wrap around gotcha okay yeah i'll end there i will also cast uh, I know we asked about resistances and immunities on this guy. I just don't remember what they were. I believe ghouls didn't have any real natural... I think they might be immune to cold. Yeah. Uh, no energy resistances or immunities. It's got channel resistance, too. Um, and then it's got, you know, the standard undead immunities. Okay. Um... I'm going to cast a Frostbite. Okay. Move up. Take a swing with Aloe. Frostbite. You know up. you know, Frostbite wouldn't work because it's non-lethal damage. Oh, that's a good point. You want Chill Touch. Yeah, problem is, originally, I wanted, didn't want this guy to run away run in away, fear. Right. But since he cast this fucking hurricane on top of us, might be better to just have him run away. So we can get out of this. Yeah, and like kind of reset. Alright, I'm gonna uh yeah, I'm gonna cast the chill touch. Okay. And as you uh as you charge at this ghoul, you get the sense that he can see you. Wow. He's uh learned some new tricks in twenty four hours then. <laughs> He's uh, very obviously got a spell casting uh levels in the spell casting class, so perhaps he uh is compensating for his last combat with hmm. spells. You know what? In that case, instead of casting Chill Touch, I'm going to cast an Arcane Theft. Arcane Oh, okay. Um, can I make a... Sp- Gotta stop running my mouth. When, when he, <laughs> when it, like, looks noticeable that he's kind of staring down daggers on Uhtred, can I make a spellcraft to try and determine how he would know that? Uh, you'd have to, like... Examine him with detect magic and everything. That's a multi round uh, okay. thing. Uh, yeah, yeah. One right. of those. You could make a guess as to any number of things that would let him do that, but yeah. Oof. I use a hero point to reroll. Okay. That's a 25 to hit. You notice he is not wearing that uh, armor that he was wearing last time because you guys took it from him. Because of that, 25 will hit. Nice. Now, I think it's concentration, right? 
So roll caster level check. Caster level. Uh, DC is 11 plus the spell level, I think. It's basically a targeted dispel magic, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. It's a 31 on the caster level check. Oh, my God. It's 11 plus the spell's caster level. Okay. Well, I got so it. So he has several... Yeah, he has several spell effects on him. They're all the same caster level. So the question is, which one are you going to get? Well, I know we haven't put any debuffs on him, so unless he was putting bad things on himself, it shouldn't be, shouldn't be, shouldn't be bad in Uhtred's favor. Yeah. Okay, so uh, I'm counting six spells he's got on himself. Jeez. Oh, so I'm just going to roll a d6, and we're just going to go from lowest to highest in that order. You steal his cat's grace spell. Which that's a plus four enhancement bonus to dexterity. Nice. So it wouldn't stack with a uh, if you're wearing a belt of dex, it's not going to stack with that. Not nice. I mean, nice that he still doesn't get it, but yeah, he's, yeah. he just lost that, which is going to lower his uh, AC even more. And he took twenty-two slashing damage. Oh right, that was still damage. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, up next, we're going to look at what Randolph does, but we're going to wait until next week. Oh, shit. See ya. I, See ya. I did not expect this one. Uh, this yeah. one was abrupt. <laughs> See ya. See ya. See ya.